Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hi, I'm London. I'm Anya. And this is Grave Danger. back we sent out our first email last week for the people that are on our email subscription list everyone should be a part of the email subscription list. Should. it is really cute and it's very exciting so if you want like the whole case notes and whatnot um you can sign up for the email newsletter and hot the girls link. are part of the email subscription <laughs> list yes yeah so it's very exciting we also are probably going to end up Finally start posting TikToks, I'd say, next week. We got a... Murder mystery box? Yeah, like a solve a case kind of box that we're going to also record us doing for the TikTok. We're going to get drunk doing it. Um, it'll be a fun time. Don't miss it. <laughs> don't miss it. <laughs> Follow me my TikTok. I don't know. <laughs> what is our TikTok again? Uh, it's just Grave Danger Podcast, I also think. Yeah, so the Instagram and the TikTok are both the same username, Grave Danger Podcast. And then we also have a Twitter that's Grave Danger Pod, but that's definitely not used nearly as much at all. Nearly as much. I don't think we put anything onto no, that one. No. I have some things like liked on there, but <laughs> we've not tweeted. So yeah, check that out for upcoming videos. It's going to be fun, super fun, exciting times. For your daily dose of murder. <laughs> And horror. Scream comes out this week. Oh yeah, we're seeing that Friday. Yeah. I'm super excited for it. We've already watched all four of the other ones. She has a weird obsession with it. I do. It's my comfort movie. She's already in therapy, guys. Don't worry. (laughs) I do have Ghostface (laughs) tattooed on my body. (laughs) So yeah, that's so exciting. I'm excited that they're having another one. It's pretty... Pretty much more of a more of an easygoing case to lighten it up from last week. It was also technically supposed to be during December because it does take place on Christmas Eve, but it's not like a Christmas case like the Santa one was. But that got pushed back so because of COVID. But we're doing it now, so yeah. Let's get into it. Merry Christmas. <laughs> so the Sauter family included parents George and Jenny and their ten children. Uh, nine of which lived with them in Fayetteville, West Virginia, because the oldest was Roy in the army. So George Sauter immigrated from Italy to Fayetteville when he was 13 years old. He came over as Giorgio Sodu, but then he changed it to George Sauter. Uh, when he arrived in Fayetteville, he fell in love with Jenny Cipriani. And like I said, they had a total of 10 children together. In Fayetteville, there was a really tight-knit and active Italian immigrant community. And George was very active in this community and pretty vocal about a lot of things. The main thing he was very vocal about was his disdain for the Italian prime minister and fascist dictator Benito Mussolini. When did this take place? 1945. Okay. Well, like around then. Like, that's when it takes place. So, like, but this is going on. 
probably like 44, 43. Like, like, let's just like when he lives there, you know? Right. Yeah. If you don't know who Mussolini is, he is a fascist dictator and just overall not a great guy. He was actually executed along with others in the fascist movement two days before Hitler was. But he had a lot of loyal followers that believed the fascist movement was the way to go, and George did not agree with this. George eventually ran a trucking company of his own that went pretty well. But before this, he worked for a man named Fiorenzo Janitolo, who strongly disagreed with George's views on Mussolini. Despite these differences, the two of them seemed to be pretty close even after George left the company. And when he left the company, he had a $1,500 mortgage insurance clause that was payable to Fiorenzo, meaning if something happened to the house and the family, he would get the payout. Not the wife. Or... No, yeah. Fiorenzo would. And allegedly, he also increased this to 1750 without the solder's approval or knowledge. I'm not going to pretend like I know anything about insurance, yes, but I... that doesn't make sense it doesn't... to me. I'm going to put you know as my, my insurance. <laughs> yeah, perfect. Um, and so, okay, so around October 26, 1945, Fiorenzo actually tried to trick George into signing an additional life insurance policy on top of the others, and he got super angry when they said that they didn't want it and actually yelled at George, quote, your goddamn house is going up in smoke and your children are going to be destroyed. You're going to be paid for the dirty remarks you've been making about Mussolini. That's not suspicious. <laughs> then around November 24th, a stranger showed up to the solder home inquiring about some following work. And he lingered around the back of the house where the fuse boxes were and actually noted to George that they were going to cause a fire someday. And George was like, uh, no, they're not. Because he recently had a power company come to his house because he's like putting in a new stove. And so while they were there, he had them just check out the wiring and the fuse box and everything to make sure that they were all good. And they said that everything was completely fine. Sus. Yeah. Now, just a few days prior to the event, two of the Sauter children had seen a man watching the younger children come home from school on Highway 21. Don't really know if that has any exact connection to what happens. So that's just all the kind of sus things that's been going on. Disgusting. (laughs) (laughs) Then it was a normal Christmas Eve in 1945 for the Sauter family. Like I said, except for the eldest son being away in the army, all nine of the other children were enjoying the holidays. When it was time for the children to go to bed, five of the children asked for special permission to stay up later. Jenny told them they could stay up a little while longer, but they had to remember to take care of the farm animals outside, like doing the chores. Turn out the lights, close the curtains, and lock the door before going to bed. George and Jenny and four of their other children then went to bed, with the eldest daughter falling asleep on the couch. Later, at around 12.30 a.m., like at midnight, the phone rang, and Jenny left the first floor bedroom and went into the hall to answer it. A woman was on the other side of the line, and it sounded like there were several people talking and laughing in the background and glasses clinking like they were having a party. The woman asked Jenny for someone that Jenny didn't know, and Jenny told the woman that she had the wrong number and hung up. This initially seemed weird, but they were actually able to track down this woman later on. She actually did just have the wrong number, but it's part of the story. I was going to say, you you clarified it. I was going to say, that's kind of like uh, scream. Yeah, yeah, yeah <laughs> a little weird at first, so yeah. <laughs> So while she was talking on the phone, she noticed that the lights were still on and like the drapes were open and the door was unlocked. So Jenny just presumed that the five children who stayed up late had forgotten, so she closed up the house and returned to the bedroom. Just before she was about to fall asleep, Jenny heard a loud bang on the roof, followed by something that sounded like it was rolling. She waited for it to happen again, but did not check to see what it might have been. She drifted off when she heard nothing else, and then at around 1.30 a.m., Jenny woke up again smelling smoke. She shook George awake and ran to the door of the bedroom. 
The hallway was filled with smoke and flames covered the stairway leading up to the children's bedrooms. She immediately ran and grabbed two-year-old Sylvie from her crib, I was like on the same floor, while they both shouted up the stairs for everybody else to get out of the house quickly. How many floors were in the house? Just two. Okay. Jenny, George, Sylvia, and 17-year-old Marion ran through the front door, still screaming for everyone to leave. Then 23-year-old John and 16-year-old George Jr. ran out from their bedrooms upstairs while also screaming for everyone to get out of the house. Just a question. Um, so they had two children, one named Sylvie and one named Sylvia. Oh, nope, that's a typo. That's on me. I was going to say. That is the same <laughs> child. <laughs> I was going to say, wait, that's that's not creative. I get a zero for a... Uh... Nope, <laughs> that's on me. Let me tell you what it is. <laughs> Sylvia. I think Sylvie was a nickname. Okay. There you go. But she's a baby? Yeah, she's two years old. That's why the mom went and grabbed her, and that's why she was outside of the house. Just making sure. Yeah. So, yeah, the two parents and four of the children were then outside. And once they noticed that the other children were not running up behind them, George broke back into the house to try to get to the children and actually sliced his arm open on broken glass in the process. But he was stopped at the staircase because the entire thing was on fire. So he ran, then ran outside where he knew he had a ladder to try to get to the second floor window, but the ladder was missing from the spot where it always was. It was later found about 75 feet away from the home in a ditch. Hmm. Yeah, no, not, not arson or anything. <laughs> not a plan. <laughs> no. uh, panicking, George then has the idea to move one of his trucks, like his work trucks, next to the side of the house so he could stand on top and help the five children out the window. He ran to both of his trucks he had, only to find that they both wouldn't start, even though they had been working perfectly fine the previous day. All I'm saying is whoever, like, planned this out really planned it out. They had, like, everything down. In desperation, he had actually tried to use the water in a nearby rain barrel, but it was frozen. And he did continue to try to enter the house with no luck. And just to mention, there were no reports of any of them seeing the children trying to escape. Like, they were not by the windows, no yelling, nothing. So just... Inside, were they like drugged or something? Like, still no. But yeah, so there's no reports of that. Uh, and while all of that was going on, 17 year old Marion ran to a neighbor's house to use their phone to call the fire department, but the operator on duty was not on duty. No one answered. She ran to another neighbor's house to call, and they also couldn't get through to them, so that neighbor then drove into town and ended at a nearby tavern to get the fire chief, F.J. Morris, in person. He was not on duty. He was at a tavern instead. What? Yeah. That was still a little help because the fire chief couldn't drive the fire truck without a second person. The two and a half miles to the site because it was a holiday. They were having issues contacting any other firefighter to come in. And it wasn't until 8 a.m. that the fire truck finally appeared, which was seven hours after the fire began. By that time, there was nothing left but charred timbers, rubble, and the basement. Literally, at that point, I would be like, oh, wow, you know, there's five children stuck in a burning house mm-hmm. oh oh no i can't you know work it with two people get get to some random bunker in there get a random bunker yeah. in there for the key you're driving now <laughs> local police followed the firemen to the scene and did a brief investigation and by brief i literally mean two hours the coroner was consulted and it was determined that the fire had been caused by faulty wiring in the house the fire chief also suggested that the fire must have been so bad that it was just completely cremated the children because there were no human remains found anywhere in the rubble. No skeletons, nothing. Is that even possible? No. 
<laughs> okay, I was going to say, I'm pretty yeah. sure your bones are usually left when yeah. you're cremated. <laughs> and the fire chief actually suggested to just scoop up some ashes from the site and bury them like it was their kids. That's that's what he told them. What? Yeah. And a week after the fire, the coroner issued a death certificate for all five children. Like I said, all that was basically left of the house was the basement. And four days later, George had actually had it covered in five feet of dirt as kind of like a makeshift grave slash memorial. And had actually intended to have it covered with like a garden or something beautiful for his kids. The kids, I don't, they couldn't have been there. We're getting into that. They literally, yeah. <laughs> they literally could not have been there. Yeah. Um, and it also wasn't long for George and Jenny to become suspicious of their explanation for the missing kids either. They wanted an in-depth investigation to thoroughly explain, first off, why it took the department seven hours to get there, amongst other things. And overall, they suspected that there was something more to be discovered. Everyone's in on it. <laughs> Sounds like it. There was an interview conducted with retired fire chiefs Rory and Steve Cruikshank, father and son team that had been working in a close-by area at the time of the fire. They said that the Fayetteville Department didn't even have sirens on their truck at the time, and no one was at the stations because of the holiday. And West Virginia Fire Marshal Sterling Lewis said in an interview that in 1945, Fayetteville firefighters didn't even have self-contained breathing apparatuses, which would make it impossible for them to go into the fire without smoke inhalation. So they wouldn't have even been able to go into the house if they had gotten there in time. So it's like just like a, oh, we have some water for you. Yes. Please take this. <laughs> yeah. We hope that you're okay. Yeah. Okay. Well, mm-hmm. glad that that it was, was a long time ago, but like useful. still. Well, if yeah. they're criticizing it to that extent, <laughs> yeah. then they obviously like existed. In oh, that they did. Time yeah. Period, yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, if it's like just like from like government funding or something, mm-hmm. then I mean, I guess I understand to that extent because, you know, government sucks, but that's still. Yeah. Also, at this point, George and Jenny were theorizing that the fire was set intentionally as a diversion for a kidnapping. Yep, there we go. Makes sense. Especially because George knew that the wires were perfectly fine because they were just looked over. And because there were lights on downstairs during the fire. If the wires were faulty, there would be no power to the house. Yeah, (laughs) makes sense. Yep. They also came across a bus driver who stated that he had seen what he described as fireballs being thrown onto the roof of the house that night which could have been the noise that Jenny heard on the roof. Why did they not call this in? I don't know. But... Yeah. Well, they don't have, like, you didn't have, like, cell phones or anything on it, no. right? That's why they had to go to the neighbors to call. I'm asking if they had cell phones in 1945. What are we? What the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> when the family returned to the memorial, Sylvia, the two-year-old, found a hard rubber object in the yard, and George looked at it and believed that the object was a napalm pineapple bomb which were used in the war at the time, which could have been the fireballs. How do you just casually get, like, napalm, though? Don't know. Like, um, that's... But that's what the thing they found looks like. The flames had also spread from the top floor to the ground, which contradicts the idea that the fuse box on the ground floor is what started the fire. Yeah, that makes no sense. Yeah. So it's just really... Just none of what the chiefs and everybody are saying checks out. Like, literally none of it. Yeah, no. They said, here's the easiest solution, yeah. which isn't actually a solution at all. Uh, no. it, you deal with it. Well, yeah. And this shape made Jenny really angry. And so she started experimenting herself by burning different animal bones and found that every time they would leave some kind of remains. And she also went to speak to a local crematorium employee, which told her that bones that were left behind, even when a body was burning at 2000 degrees Fahrenheit for two hours. An average house fire burns at 1,200 degrees Fahrenheit, 
And the solder golem only burned for about 35-40 minutes. There should have been five skeletons amongst the ashes. Yeah, that's literally impossible if yeah. there wasn't. Yeah. And then on top of that, household appliances on the ground floor were still found intact after the fire. Those would have been gone. It was like so much of a bad fire that the bodies were gone, you know? Yeah. And nobody smelled anything like burning flesh, which they definitely would have if there was five bodies that had been burned ash. Also, there would have been people screaming outside of the windows yes. trying to get out. Yes. <laughs> like, it's kind of just like human nature. Like, yeah. Oh, let's stay away from the hot substance. Let's so don't just, they're just not sleeping through that. Yeah, like. literally. It's not like, oh, I'm feeling a little toasty right now. I'm just going to roll over and go back to bed. Yeah. Then we come to find out that that night and the following night, there were sightings of the children. A woman who is familiar with the Sauter family stated to have clearly seen the five children go by in a strange car while the fire was still burning, but she couldn't see who the driver was. Interesting. Another sighting at a diner 50 miles west of Fayetteville. A waitress said that she had served breakfast to the five children on Christmas morning, and they got into a car with a Florida license plate. Oh, of course it's Florida. Yeah, I said the same thing. <laughs> uh, then a woman in Charleston that worked at a hotel said that she saw four or five children a week after the fire occurred. She said, quote, the children were accompanied by two women and two men. All of you spoke Italian. I do not remember the exact date. I tried to talk to the children in a friendly manner, but the men appeared hostile and refused to allow me to talk to these children. I sensed that I was being frozen out, so I said nothing more. They left early the next morning. And she also noted that they showed up at like 1230 at night and then left the next morning, so they were just there to sleep. Yeah. A few years later, George actually saw a photo of New York City school children in a newspaper and believed that one of the kids was his missing daughter, Betty. He drove to New York to investigate and actually tracked down the child's parents, but they wouldn't talk to him. How old was Betty when she was taken? Six. Okay. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire. Huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Full work prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. George would personally investigate every single tip, sighting, story, or theory he heard. All of these stories I mentioned, he has personally investigated. Because he does not trust the police department at this point. Um, bars. Yeah. <laughs> This is also around the time that they decided to hire a pathologist named Oscar B. Hunter. He actually went and excavated the dirt that was on the site and found four pieces of human vertebrae. He sent the pieces to the Smithsonian Institute to be tested, and they said the bones appeared to be four lumbar vertebrae with fused transverse recesses, which means it could be a person between 16 and 23, but the oldest missing solder child was 14-year-old Maurice, they also determined that the bones had definitely not been in a fire at all and were probably in the dirt that George had got to cover the site. So 
That led what? to nowhere. Led to nowhere. Who's, whose bones are there? We don't know. Um, there was no, like, DNA testing or anything like that at that time, so they just gave the bones back to George. They're like, um, here's a lumbar vertebrae. Yeah. We don't know what to do with it. They just gave Have it back. fun. Yeah. We don't know what he did with it. He probably just, like, had them in a box or something. I, we, like, I don't... We don't know. You just... Yeah. They should have kept it because by now they could obviously do testing on it, but... They just gave them back to him. That's, that's, uh, okay. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> so after all of that, the governor, O.T.L. Patterson, called a hearing in the state capitol building in Charleston and officially called a close to the case. He literally told George and Jenny that their search for the missing children was hopeless. And the Fayetteville County prosecutor said that it would only be reopened if evidence of kidnapping came to light. And he ended it by saying, quote, Something is haunting this family, and I would do anything to put their minds at ease. All apparently right. not. Closing the case. Yeah, apparently <laughs> not. <laughs> in 1947, George actually tried to get the FBI involved, and J. Edgar Hoover himself contacted George and was like, yes, we'll help because this seems sus, but because it falls under, quote, local character, we need to get permission from your local authorities to step in. But the Fayetteville Police and Fire Department declined to help. Extra sus. <laughs> What the yeah. fuck? They literally had the guy who created the FBI call them and be like, hey, um, this is sus as fuck. Uh, we want to help. Yeah. And they said, no, go fuck yourself. Yeah, literally. <laughs> Another interesting thing is that the night of the fire, an eyewitness recalled that they saw two recognizable men stealing the block and tackle police system, which is normally used to like lift engines out of cars from the Sauter residence. These two people were identified as Dave Atkins and Lonnie Johnson, who were owners of a nearby, like, beer place. I really could not find many details on these people. <laughs> Only Lonnie was ever questioned because Dave left the army to avoid prosecution. Lonnie also admitted to cutting the phone lines that night because he thought they were the power lines. We don't know why he was trying to cut the power lines in the first place. That he ended up pleading guilty to a stealing charge and paid a $25 fine. Officials did admit later that Lonnie and George's old employer, Fiorenzo, were not investigated enough. You think so? Yeah, duh. And also, Fiorenzo did end up getting insurance money from the house burning down, even though George didn't die. I don't know how that happened, but he, he got the insurance money. I don't understand. Yeah. I get that I don't know anything about insurance, <laughs> period. But, like, this is, I feel like, basic enough that <laughs> none of the dots are connecting for no. that. <laughs> This whole case, none of the dots are connecting no, at all. There's dots all over the place, yes. and it, the, none of them are connected. Literally, this like, entire case is just like, oh, wait, they had this? Oh, never mind. They were like, That's it. cover that one up. Just cover that one yeah. up. We're just going to pretend that didn't yeah. happen. The guy who literally said that he was going to burn the house down and kill George? No, no. 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 He's, he's Case closed at that point. Like, what? <laughs> literally. Like, no, it's fine. Yeah. Don't worry about it. <laughs> I'm going to go over some of the tips that were coming in at this time because they were they were receiving a good amount of tips. Some people around town believed that the mafia were involved. And some people believed that the children were taken back to Italy where they were sold to an orphanage. That's like a really... <laughs> but, yeah. Did they do that? Did the mafia do that? Well, those are two separate things, kind of. Like some people find that those two are connected. Some people believe like those are like, yeah, just the mafia. We're like, uh, they've been just kidnapped and taken to an orphanage in Italy. Were exactly. either, did any of them have mafia ties? Besides being from Italy, like, uh, no, nothing. They said, oh, Italian? Mafia. Yeah, literally. <laughs> the fuck? 
The family actually received a letter from a woman in St. Louis, Missouri, claiming that the oldest daughter, Martha, was in a convent there, and that proved to not be significant. And then someone in Florida also claimed they are now living with Jenny's distant relatives that live in Florida. Anything come from that? <laughs> That's a big one that people still believe, but all of Jenny's relatives that like live in Florida have done DNA tests to prove that their children are theirs. And they've all came back positive, so no. Another tip came from Davenport, California, where the sheriff received a letter saying that one of the children was attending a school in the city. None of the staff at any of the schools knew anything about this, and all close photographs were checked, and it was proven to be false. And again, George also investigated all of these tips himself, just to make sure. I mean, if I was kidnapped, I would... <laughs> want my father to be <laughs> giving enough of a shit to like go and like check him himself you know now john slaughter the 23 year old son that was in the house that got out his theory that he agreed with is that the children were kidnapped and taken to italy especially due to the hotel story with the italian speaking adults we don't know anything if this is true or not that's just the one that he believed i feel like it's just a lot of steps to like kidnap kids and then be like yeah we're gonna bring them back to italy yeah but i mean like, also it would be like much did you have to like piss somebody in power off <laughs> in order for them to kidnap your children set your house on fire get the entire town to lie for you and then send them to italy it's because he's bad mouthing mussolini actually loki <laughs> that, that is kind of a good mussolini had just got executed earlier that year so that's probably why it's such a touchy subject on All right. boss. one interesting tip came in in 1968 23 years after the fire Jenny actually received an envelope in the mail, and there was no return address, but it had a Kentucky postmark. Inside was a photograph of a young man that looked to be in his mid-20s, and George and Jenny immediately thought that the photograph looked exactly how Lewis would have looked as an adult. Same features, dark curly hair, brown eyes, same nose, slightly tilted left eyebrow. And when comparing the photos, it does look like it could be him. Like, I'll post them on, post it online, but they look kind of similar. How old was he when he got taken? He was nine. Okay. Yeah, I'll show you the photo really quick. That's him as a kid, and that's the photo they got mailed. Holy shit. Yeah. Yeah. That, they look, yeah. They, they do, yeah. They have the same nose, same eyes, same eyebrows. Yeah. Yeah, he looked, that, that's, yep. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And then on the back of the photo, there was a note that said, Louis Sauter, I love brother Frankie, ill little boys, 890132 or 35, we can't tell. That's. They don't have a brother named Frankie. <laughs> Maybe at the house he was like taken to or whatever. Maybe. They have a brother named Frankie. Yeah. It could be. George and Jenny were nervous that releasing the photo to the police or public would put their son in danger, possibly. So they hired a private investigator to go to the city in Kentucky to track down the photo sender. The investigator left to go and he went missing. He took the money and was never heard from again. And they don't know if he just, like, took the money and left or if he actually went missing. Like, he was never heard from again. Like, what? <laughs> like, he's a private investigator. I don't know. Well, like, I feel like they, they also like, wouldn't hire just, like, some random, like, yeah. investigator off the street at this point. Because they are so determined mm -hmm. at this point. Like, it's been years of trying to figure out, like, yeah. who they are. Like, they wouldn't just hire some, like, random That's just going to, like, dude, take them, like, you know? and yeah, like, you know? like, I feel like they would have actually put, like, some research into it. But, like, okay, yeah. like, is this person, like, Seriously. what if he got paid more by whoever took them and was, like, leave and don't look into this? Yeah. I, what if he was killed, bro? He could have been. I re literally have never heard from him again. Don't. Yeah. That went nowhere. I don't know why I'm, like, not shocked at all. I feel like <laughs> nothing ever goes anywhere in any of these. Yeah. 
George was quoted during this time saying, quote, time is running out for us. If they did die in the fire, we want to be convinced. Otherwise, we just want to know what happened to them. And in response to all the fake tips coming in, George and Jenny set up a billboard on Route 16 that had photos of the five children and a message with all the available information. And it stayed up for over 40 years. And they even passed out flyers similar to the billboard that offered a $5,000 reward for any information leading to the safe return of the children. And then it was shortly increased to $10,000. Again, I'll post the photo of the billboard, but this is what it said on it. On Christmas Eve, 1945, our home was set to fire and our five children aged 5 through 14 kidnapped. Officials claimed to defective wiring, although lights were still burning after the fire started. The official report stated the children died in the fire, however, no bones were found in the residue, and there was no smell of burning flesh during or after the fire. What was the motive of the law officers involved? What did they have to gain after making us suffer all these years of injustice? Why did they lie and force us to accept those lies? I'm I'm gonna be straight up with you. Um it would probably take me the 40 years that I was up to drive past it enough to read that <laughs> entire thing. That's fair. It was also, like, off the side, so you could see it by driving here. Like, trying to show you what it was. It wasn't, like, a... Oh, that is not a billboard. It, it's 1945. I know, like, but, like, if I'm in a car, like, I I have 20-20 vision, bro. I wouldn't be able to see that. Like, it wasn't, like, a, it wasn't like a full highway or anything. All I'm saying is that I feel like it would have been more effective if they just had a picture, big picture of the kids and said our children were kidnapped or whatever in this year. Like, if you have any information, let us know. And not, like... Here's an entire essay in MLA format with proper citations. Yeah, I kind of thought the same thing when I first, like, heard it, like, being that long. But, like, it, you kind of saw, like, you can also, like, walk past that. It's not, like, a full, like, highway or anything because it was so long ago, you know? Like, that was also, like, a street. Like, it wasn't, like, a it wasn't like a highway driving. It was, like, a like a boop, 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 driving through town kind of thing. Still. <laughs> okay, well, that's what they had. It was a full long time. And this is also when they turned to another private investigator named C.C. Tinsley to help them. He found out that a member of the coroner's jury who helped to determine the cause of the fire was one of the life insurance salesmen that went with Fiorenzo to sell the insurance. So we could have had some kind of... I'm shocked. I'm completely shocked. I never would have expected (laughs) that that would tie together. (laughs) It doesn't... It just... That's crazy to me. I know. (laughs) Uh, He also talked to the fire marshal, Sterling Lewis. And this guy said that he talked to everyone that sorted through the scene that morning. And they all said they found human remains. So he's like, uh, why was there no remains found then? Sterling Lewis said they probably were rushing because it only took them two hours. But an excavation after a house fire normally takes days to weeks. So he thinks that some remains may have been found that day, but they were rushing and they may have gotten like swept under the rug, you know? How, how do you sweep the remains of five <laughs> children? Under the rug, even if you did like sweep it under the rug, you like at least like you would only be able to do that. I feel like for like maybe one or two, because there's five of them, bro. Yeah, you know how many bones are in the human body? (laughs) I don't off the top of my head, but there's a lot. Yeah, and so because this wasn't lining up with what Morris had said that there were no human remains, Tinsley actually found a minister that Morris had told during confession. And he had found a heart in the ashes. And he said that he put the heart in a box and buried it where the house was. I'm going to be straight up with you. <laughs> That's also not how fire works. No. <laughs> Tinsley convinced him to go to where he buried it and dig, dig it up. But the heart he buried was a cow liver. 
It was never even in a fire. He said that he thought burying this liver and saying that would bring closure to the family. He thought it would be found earlier on, not like this many years later. So he planted it to try to like bring closure to them. I think every single person that lives in this town has a single brain cell that they just bounce around to each other. Yeah. He definitely didn't have it the day. <laughs> the brain cell was not with him. It was somewhere else. Yeah. So yeah, they never believed that their five children died in that fire. And all that remains now are theories, including, like I said, a local mafia attempting to recruit George. He wasn't having it, so in revenge, they took his kids, lit his house on fire. Dude, that's a really extreme. Yeah. And then people believe that they lived out their days without saying anything because they didn't want to get their family killed. But that's, that's, that's a lot, you yeah. know. FBI records actually say that many believe that they're with Jenny's distant relatives in Florida. Like I said, they've all taken the test to prove this, that, like, their kids are their kids. But many believe that one. That doesn't even make sense. Yeah, they be- some believe that it was one of Jenny's brothers that kidnapped the kids. But, again, they've taken... DNA test. <laughs> Why would the brother, like, what's I the I motive behind no, yeah. that? They just said, yeah, she's got a brother? Yeah, he took him. They said, Florida? Yeah, sounds about right. Yeah, honestly, I can't argue with that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> they said, where does he live? Oh, yeah, never mind. That yeah. makes sense. <laughs> Some people also theorize that the kids were kidnapped when they went out late that night to finish their chores of taking care of the farm animals, and that the fire happened after that, and maybe by the people who kidnapped them as a distraction. That one actually makes sense because the door and everything wasn't locked. Yeah. Wait, but wasn't the sister on the couch? Yes. Does she remember anything? She was asleep. She was out. Yeah. And then if everyone was asleep before they came back in or like Mm -hmm. were expected to come back in. I think they were all asleep by that time. Yeah. Yeah. I think that theory actually makes a lot of sense. I mean, the motive behind it and everything. Mm -hmm. Bitch, I think it's Fiorento. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, fact. Um, ab- like absolutely, there is no doubt in my mind. Mm-hmm. George passed away at seventy-four years old in nineteen sixty-nine after the whole cow liver thing. Jenny lived much longer and spent her days building rooms under her home and building fences around her home to keep everyone out. She would only wear black clothing since the fire, and she kept a flower garden around the spot of the fire and tended to it consistently. She passed away in 1989 at age 85, and it was shortly after her death that the billboard was taken down. And Sylvia, who was the two-year-old, is the last remaining slaughter child at age 77 or 78 now. She's still alive. And it's 100% certain that her siblings did not die in the fire. And even though she was only two, the fire was her first real memory. She said that she can still remember her father screaming, bleeding, and crying for his kids. Can you imagine that being your first memory? Oh, I know. And Jenny Henthorne, who is Sylvia's daughter, told the Times West Virginian to post any information onto websleuths.com. And she said, quote, my mom promised my grandmother that she would never let this story die. And that's what my brother and I are doing now. Messed up case of the police literally not doing anything. And the slaughter children that are still missing and we still don't know what happened. That's insane. Mm-hmm. And it also sucks that, like, at this point, there was, there's never going to be answers probably because everybody that would have known is gone. Yeah. Hope that maybe there's answers someday, but I don't know how that's mm-hmm. going to happen. Yeah. Well, Sylvia's daughter is still, like, out there trying to put the word out, and that's what she's still trying to do. Let us know what theory you guys think is correct or yeah. most likely to have happened. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of things just thrown in this case. I was like, oh, hey, we found 
some bones. Oh, nope, it's not their bones. Oh, we found a fart. Uh, it's a liver. Like, there's so many, like... Just random... Yeah. Like, things yeah. thrown in there. Like, <laughs> yeah. I, I think I got whiplash at least <laughs> three times in this story. Yeah, let us know what you think. Follow our Instagram, TikTok, email subscription list. We got a lot of things going now. We're going to be putting the pictures um, in our email and also on our Instagram like usual. Yep. And you guys can see how similar this little kid looks to this like older the photo that got me guy uh, yeah yeah looking at it right now i fully believe it. that cannot not be the same yeah. person yeah they look the same they do catch us next week one grave, grave danger, danger. <laughs> okay so we're not doing that out sure that's that's not the one we're sticking with